they don't make them like they used to. That is the name of a show and that is a central thesis for why this show exists. To celebrate the movies of yesteryear, to look back and give the titans of cinema the respect and the groveling adulation that they deserve. Talking about when you had to pay tuppence to get into the cinema and even then you usually went through the back door. And when the height of special effects was a toy monster model eating a toy car. And if you were lucky, you got a man in a suit. We are broadcasting from Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. My name is Tosin and with me are two people who should be too young for this stuff. Sean. Hello there. And Joe. I'm definitely too young for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Now, we usually kick off things by picking something that's a bona fide classic to discuss. And this week, in honor of the release of Godzilla in cinemas yesterday, we are going back to the original Godzilla from 1954. And, the, and now, the classic Godzilla theme that everybody recognizes. Up from the depths, 30 stories high, breathing fire, his head in the sky, Godzilla, 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 and Godzilla. Joe, Joe, Joe looks in so much pain. Joe appears to be strangling me with his eyes. And putting aside how Mills and Boons that sounds for a second, what's the matter, Joe? I was th- I thought this was going to be a respectful tribute to Godzilla. You know, well, you know, it's what, sixty years since the original film, like a really good celebration of all things Godzilla and uh, Godzuki made an appearance. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. no, I love that because that was actually the f- that was my introduction to Godzilla. Mm. That was like the first the first time I actually I saw that. So I know that he gets a bad rep, but I love Godzuki. I think Godzuki's a dawn. So would you just like to tell tell me why you think that that is just such a blot? Tell me about your history with Godzilla, your Godzilla story. Uh, it, I, I don't know. It's not a it's not a blot. It's actually a really good really good cartoon i used to watch it uh, <laughs> i used to watch it as well but uh, it's not um, it's not what i think of when i think of godzilla actually my story the first godzilla i ever saw wasn't any of the movies it was a very quick um snippet of one of the films in a weetabix advert that used to be on tv oh it's i mean it's that random and i just remember thinking whoa that's a giant monster and it was actually really scary and it was only for about half a second uh, and and from that i then you know found out what it was from and researched it and, and got into Watching all the Godzilla versus various monsters, Ghidorah and uh, Hedera and all that on late night uh, Channel Four, they used to have a double bill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 Joe. I wasn't going to leave you high and dry, and so now we actually have the classic, <laughs> hey. the classic music from the original 1954 Toho Studios classic. Thank you. you're going to be happy to find out that we have 10 minutes of this playing excellent i'll just uh so what we're going to do is that we yeah no 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 we are going to we're going to talk about godzilla with this playing in the background oh fantastic that's kind of like, put us in the mood that's good. like the movie the way it happens in the movie how this just keeps coming up and up over and over again and you know that Godzilla is out there somewhere so go away tell me something about godzilla man uh it's um it's a classic absolute classic i mean i say that a lot but but it really is it's what you think of when you think of monster movies isn't it they, I don't know, I might get uh, destroyed for this, but I would say they did the monster movie before anyone else. And you had King Kong and, and things, but that was a monkey. This was, this was a monster, you know, this was a... And it, and it wasn't a monster that you could you could have any chance against either. It was huge. It was There was no stopping it. It just walked over your city. Um, I, I, I think there was an old movie called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. What year just have been? That was, I think that was slightly before. Was I mean, before? we can look at that later. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And um, the Japanese, you know, they love to make things, sort of soup things up. Oh, yeah. Take something, soup it up. So um, they made Godzilla. And I think Godzilla as a movie, the original, stands up really, really well. There's some fantastic imagery in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I was talking to Joe about this. There's a particular bit near the beginning when a ship's sinking and you see the expression on the sailors' faces as it's sinking. And 
there's a few shots of like things falling over and being black and white really reminds me of some French sort of noir cinema. Oh yeah. Really, yeah. really effective. Mm. But yeah. So yeah. but Joe is just like, you know, we've we've discussed this and I have to say I back him up a hundred percent on this Godzilla. the original Godzilla stands up really, really well if you if you give it a chance. Yeah, it because it says that the guys who made it that they had they had this whole idea that usually when they had the monster thing as he said it was a big part of Japanese culture and cinema and all that. But that they actually had this thing where they said, "We are going to, we're going to treat this like it's actually real. Real. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to go all campy. We're not. Go, we're going to say if something actually did show up, all will happen." And I find that there's this interesting thing that comes up because you have, um, can't remember the scientist's name, but the guy who creates the sort of like the oxygen, the oxygen bomb, like uh, the, the hydrogen bomb, yeah, the, or, or the atom bomb. Yeah, but, the, the bomb that they used to get rid of. That is like you know the big hope of getting rid of Godzilla in the original. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah uh, it's goes goes from like the. the Oxygen de destabilizer or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They come up with some great, yeah, great, they, they great uh, names for weapons. They do. They really do. But he has this whole thing where he's he's kind of like you know it's there's this talk about the scientist and the scientist realizing oh my god what have I created this might not get into the wrong hands and the lens to which he goes to make sure that like because so you have this big monster movie and in the middle of it there's this big philosophical discussion of. Ooh, should scientists let people do this or should should we they try and prevent what they come up with getting into the wrong hands yeah yeah so, which seems a bit like a commentary on the whole atom bomb thing which was in recent memory in japan so that, it's, it's quite cool that's it i think that was part of it i think that was part of why they made the film because you know that it sort of brought back the um because i don't think they were that they got no atomic weapons whatsoever in, they, they, they weren't even they weren't even allowed to address the issue of, of nuclear, nuclear weapons in film yeah. and the way they got around that was by having this monster um, almost virtually stand in for the destruction caused by a nuclear weapon so they could deal with um, the destruction of a city, you know, a total destruction of a city um, by almost, you know, um, not making reference to nuclear warfare but actually having a, a monster. So, so Godzilla was just a big massive nuclear bomb allegory? Uh, basically, that's why you have a, a lot of shots of destruction, a lot of. Um, a lot of carnage and, 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 and nuclear-type destruction without what, actually saying you know, a what, nuclear weapon's done it. What year was Godzilla? 54. This is 53. Beast from 27... Beast from 20,000 fathoms... Uh, 53 or 63, Joe? You might be able to read that. It's 53, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 53. So, <laughs> I think because... I mean, that was a Harryhausen film, Beast from 20,000 yeah. fathoms. And as we know, we've, I think we've spoken about Harryhausen before, mm. haven't we? Well, yeah. they wanted to do Godzilla in, in stop motion, but they realised it would take too long yeah. and cost too much oh, right, so okay. they got uh, uh, a chap who was game for dressing up in a uh, <laughs> big hot rubbery suit and stomping over a miniature of the city oh, the funny thing is that even though it's a guy in a rubber suit I actually, when you talk about the film holding up I don't think it shows up that much not in the original yeah no, not in the original I don't yeah. think it shows up that because I think that there's a couple of bits where either he's like knocking down power lines or something like that and you see like the the fins that Godzilla has down his back kind mm. of wobble from side to side, and mm. then you then you go, oh, that's a rubber suit. But beside, but before that, you actually watch. Uh, there were bits of looking and going, hang on, how did they do this? Mm. <laughs> oh wait, wait, how did they do that bit where he shows up over the like right, right at the beginning the of first the appearance. island? So he's yeah. got his head yeah. sticking out. And yeah, he's sticking out over the mm -hmm. mountain. I'm like, I'm thinking, how did they do that? Yeah. Wait a second, this 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 looks good. <laughs> Well, they they opted to show you bits of the monster instead of the whole monster, which is very much the approach they've taken in the remake, isn't it? Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the remake, we will we'll go to that in a sec because uh, for everyone listening, we actually all we went on mass and watched the remake last night. Well, it's not really a remake; it's just the new Godzilla movie. We 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 watched that last night. Uh, okay, let's just go quickly. What do you guys think about that? Oh, I'm, I'm still <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm yeah. still I'm still uh, yeah. imagining monsters yeah. everywhere. It's, it's quite yeah. quite disturbing. There was there was quite a few of us, and I think um, everybody everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was uh, after a bit. I did catch myself constantly. So like every now and then, I just I noticed that I was smiling. I was looking at the screen. I was going, Yeah, Godzilla. I think, I think the biggest credit to to the film was that there were moments where I was sat back watching it. And this, this is—I've been actually told off today for spoiling it for someone, but it's not a spoiler. Look at the trailers; there are there is more than one monster in the movie, and and when things happen, when you see these monsters together, it did feel very much like watching one of those old films: Godzilla <laughs> versus Hedera, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. I mean, you you see them fighting in exactly the same way. 
it's instead of being men in rubber suits, it's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of CGI. Yeah, yeah. and looks good and looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is, it is pretty good. It is pretty. But okay, one of the things that I find is that you you mentioned it about the subsequent Godzilla movies that were made, and but in the original one, he was like an out and out bad guy. Well, just he essentially it was a force of nature wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was just, just it was like a force of nature that turns up and everything like that. And then you have like in the subsequent ones where he seems to have been turned into some sort of good guy or I'm not sure what he just entered the public consciousness as Godzilla's cool. I, I, I think he's a bit indifferent, isn't he? Really, I think he's a bit indifferent to. He's like, well, you I think know. if someone swoops down and takes yeah. over his planet, he gets a bit annoyed yeah. and sends them packing. Yeah, yeah. I think he's indifferent to humans. Really, I don't know, James. They bully him, don't they? They do bully him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they bully him. I found that line you were talking did you, about. Did it's you find the line? Yeah. It's in Ghidorah. Yeah. Ghidorah. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, why should I help the humans? They just bully me all the time. Yeah, they bully me. Yeah. <laughs> what Godzilla speaks in that one? Uh, there's, there's, he's got a translator. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they, they did go a bit campy, didn't they? they did yeah, go a bit the, the Mothra girls translate for him. They they're trans- like, he says, yeah. why would he help you? You bully him. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Rodan says the same. <laughs> Rodan's going now. <laughs> well, the thing is, I actually think that, it's, that even in the original one, I watched it earlier today, and when you finally get to the point where they defeat Godzilla, you do kind of feel sad for him. Yeah. It, it's really epic, isn't it? They've got that choir singing there, and then you get yeah, the underwater stuff. Yeah, you got all those stuff. kids singing yeah. and stuff. I mean, that, when you talk about shots, the shot where all the school kids are singing, I'm kind of like, oh, that's a, just a brilliant shot. It just mm. really, really works well in that sequence. And oh, and what well, it is that you actually, I think you, you end up feeling sad for him. And you know the other, the other, um, the professor, the one that kept calling Sensei, the one who um, was in Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, like he has this whole thing where he's like, no, this guy is the last of his of his of his type. Why do we just want to kill him? Let's yeah, yeah, kill yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. hold. Him. Let's 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 yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's funny that as you say, in what is supposed to be just a creature feature, just a massive monster movie, they have this sort of like big scientific conversations going on as to what do we do with science? Look, do we just destroy things because it's it's um it's tre- threatening us, or do we try and like you know? Well, there's that great Keep line in the alive. movie that Joe could probably give for you. What, the nature the one? The nature one, yeah. Yeah, it's about uh, people thinking that nature, that they control nature when actually it's nature that controls us. That's in the new one. That's the, the new, new one. one. Okay. Yeah. It's not in the original. It's like, um, I don't think there's the exact lines in it, but it definitely definitely comes up. There's well, a, something there's, similar, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a, of, of nature being a powerful force that, yeah. that, that sort of sorts itself out and that we have to get out of the way of. Yeah, out of the way. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Godzilla... 1954 your legacy is still alive and well they're doing it well it is i, I don't think godzilla's ever gonna die <laughs> no, no i think i think just like in the movies he's gonna take a whole bunch of knocks and he's gonna keep coming back <laughs> no matter what happens to him especially in 1998 yeah, <laughs> if, if, uh, if people are looking to to rewatch the original can i just uh, try and head uh, make sure that they head in the direction of the japanese 1954 uh, gojira rather than the american king of monsters which is the same movie re-edited with Raymond Burr. <laughs> because, it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It introduced it to an American audience, but it's not the original one, really. It's not the best way to say so it. So is it just like the same movie, but what re... Well, the idea was that if there weren't any American characters in it, American audiences wouldn't care. So they took the, the Toho so the, classic the, and re, recut some scenes into it, reaction so they, shots they just of Raymond put, Burr. They just put scenes of... American actors into yeah. it. He's a journalist that turns up in the destruction that's just taking place and you get him to tell the story. And that was what was released in America. And that, for a long time, was Americans' only, um, their only uh, experience of Godzilla. Well, well they've been doing that with Japanese stuff for years, like Power Rangers. I mean, even though I don't like the stuff and I think it's like a lesser form of Japanese art, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that is like, they did, originally, they, all they did in the Power Rangers was that they took the fighting scenes from this Japanese TV show and they just filmed all these other scenes of American teenagers talking. And then when they once they, once they were, once they transformed to Power Rangers, it was just from the original Japanese TV show, which is why one of the Power Rangers always changed from a woman into a man. Yeah. When when, when it came to the fighting scenes. Yeah. So yeah, they've been doing that for ages with Japanese stuff. Of uh, oh, oh okay no that's something else I'm gonna leave a, I'm gonna <laughs> the, oh, okay we could go into a whole other show on Japanese shows and stuff I heard a I heard a brilliant joke about one of those but never mind never we'll mind we'll save that <laughs> we'll save that we'll save that for later anyway enough of that it is now time for Joe's first clue you got something for us today Joe I do indeed um, right um, got a bit of information here so listen carefully whilst I'm reading these out. 
I want you to try and imagine who could possibly have played this role if history had been different. I'm going to give you a bit of extra info this time. Born in 1937, this living screen legend was originally considered for Anthony Hopkins' role in Silence of the Lambs, Dustin Hoffman's role in Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs, Sean, George Clooney's role in Three Kings, John Malkovich's role in The Line of Fire, uh, James Kahn's role in Misery, Robert Redford's role in The Sting, and was even asked to play Mark Michael Corleone in The Godfather. Okay, on turning down The Sting, this screen legend said, I liked the period, the whole project, and I knew it would be commercial, but at the time, I needed to put my energies into a movie that really needed them. I needed to take a risk. Hmm, interesting. So the date of birth was 1937, and this screen legend is still alive. 1937, I'm going to have to do some maths in a yeah. second. How old is this dude? So, hang on. 1937. <laughs> 2014. Carry the one. <laughs> okay, so he's 77 years old. Okay, all right, cool. We will bear that in mind. We will bear that in mind. So, moving on. <laughs> Well, well, just in case you haven't heard the show before, we're going to have more clues that are going to come back throughout the show, and Joe's going to keep giving them to us, and we're going to eventually, at the end, have to bite the bullet and make a well, make a choice or just make a have a go at guessing who this person is. We haven't done too well in the last two weeks. Joe has been winning, so <laughs> we shall see how it goes. And please do feel do feel free to play along in your bed, yell it out, scream it out text us or something when I come around the wards or tell the nurse somewhere, get it to Sunshine Radio and say, I got it right. Um, but, um, yeah. But anyway, carrying on. What happens each week is that I actually walk around the hospital and I ask people in the hospital, I ask the patients two questions. I ask them to tell me the story of the first time you went to the cinema. And I also ask them, what is your favorite movie of all time? So this week I was in St. Helen's Ward and I met Ruth, who I thoroughly enjoyed chatting to. And as we were chatting... I promised her that I would play this. Yes, the uncomparable Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. Now, Ruth did tell me that that was her favorite film, but we are saving that one up for discussion at a later show. We just wanted to play that for you, Ruth, before you left the hospital. And I hope you enjoyed that. We shall instead be talking about um, your earliest memory of going to the cinema. And here's Ruth talking about her earliest memory. It was a silent film. With um, I can't remember the title never. I think it was Buster Keaton. Yeah, Buster Keaton. I think it was silent film. Because <laughs> it was a long time ago when I was talking about it. I'm 91 now. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, they they sort of had music in the background. But the actions, you see, you, you can. The acting was so good, it, it didn't really make an awful lot of difference. I don't think you could see what was going on, and uh, for people that were hard of hearing too. I mean, it, it it was good because they, you know, they could put their own interpretation on it. <laughs> Buster Keaton and who's the other one? Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't remember him, would you? <laughs> I've actually seen a couple of his films. Have you? Yeah, yeah. He always had like the hat and the cane. And yeah, the that's and it, yeah. Yeah, that's good. 
Yes, so Buster Keaton. She was talking about Buster Keaton in there with a little bit of Charlie Chaplin thrown in at the end. Couldn't remember exactly what film it was that she's seen for the first time in the cinema, but I'm thinking like, okay, Buster Keaton's best known film, I think it's probably The General. The General, yeah, yeah which about is, the train. Yeah. yeah, with the train and the whole, during the American Civil, Civil War That's and like it. the fight, trying to get the train back from one side and all that. And um, that was 1929. 29, yeah. Well, if you imagine, that was only like, what, 50, 50, 60 years after the American Civil War anyway. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when you think in, in those, the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Buster Keaton. But I think all that silent era, when you look at the films, some of the stunts that go on as well. And I used to do all his own stunts, I think. I know. And it's just like they'd stand. There's one film, not sure what the film is. He's just stood there and a, like a, the front of a building falls yeah, on him and he's was, stuck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just like, whoa. I'm thinking, what kind of precision would they have had to have? They must have had, like, you know, the best engineers, like, yeah. guys on, on those things because he essentially had, well, well if, uh, if, if you haven't seen this scene, essentially, he's standing on one spot in front of a, a building and the front of the building falls down and this building has a window, like, on the, on the first floor and he's standing in the exact spot where the whole front of the building falls down and he goes through the window so the, the building falls in around him and he's unharmed. And they did that for real. Yeah, that's, that, that's great. No health <laughs> and safety. <laughs> they, did, like, they did it for real. I mean, the fact is that if anything had gone wrong, he would have been dead, but he did it himself. Yeah. And the thing with a lot of these stunts is that they were done in one shot. <clears throat> one shot, yeah, one so shot only. So you could see everything. So there was nowhere to hide. There was no cut away. There was no, oh, this is the bit where someone else jumps in. Yeah. You could just see him doing everything on the screen. The guy was a genius. Well, that was as far back as 1928. That was actually in Steamboat Bill Jr. Steamboat was Bill the film Jr. That was, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the one with the building. With the building. The one with the building. Because yeah. yeah. actually I'll have to um, be a bit revisionist and, and check some of those Buster Keaton films out again because um, they are, they're even... even Today, you know, even today, you can watch them and you can still enjoy them, I think. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah, I mean, if, if nothing else, I, I know that nowadays the closest thing that we have to a Buster Keaton is actually probably Jackie Chan. <laughs> Jackie, yeah, 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 that's a good, yeah, good, uh, because, good comparison. Because Jackie Chan, and he says that he's a massive Buster Keaton fan. Yeah. And he, he says himself that he would look at, he would watch Chaplin movies and Buster Keaton movies, and he would incorporate them into, into martial arts. So whenever you see him doing the whole ethos of, I'm going to do all my own stunts, I'm going to do this thing, I might, uh, we're going to do it in one shot so you can see that it's me, and it's going to just push the, push the boat out more and more as th times go on. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Just uh, a shout-out to a Jackie Chan film with uh, Sammo Hung called Dragons Forever. Oh, and yeah. The, 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 the comedy in that film, the physical comedy, is very much uh, it's very much that sort of era. That, that's the one where there's three of them, isn't it? That's the one. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah. The bit they're hiding in the apartment, in the girl's apartment, and no, it's just hilarious. Absolutely it's, hilarious. it's Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, and Yon Bio. That's right. Yeah, it's... Yeah, brilliant film. <laughs> Did, Joe, you might know because you're the technical whiz. Did he make any sound films? He must have made them. Buster Keaton? Yeah. Uh, well, when we, he certainly appeared in films with sound, yeah, later on. Yeah. I sort of remember him um, from being in small appearances later in his career rather than the, the main movies from the, from the beginning of his career. He sort of popped up here and there in these little roles. Pro probably getting on a bit and got injured from... I should imagine he <laughs> suffered a few injuries with some of the stunts he did, perhaps. Well, yeah. I'm surprised, <clears throat> well, I'm surprised that... Because you hear a lot about the stunts, you don't hear a lot about him being in hospital. No, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah no, you know. like compared to Jackie Chan, like at the end of most of his films, you see like an outtake, and the outtakes usually involve at least one scene of the ambulance showing up to carry him off set because he's just sort of like torn his ear off or something Ooh. like that. Yeah, I think he's broken most bones in his body, isn't he? Oh, Jackie Chan, yeah, he yeah. has. He has. But Buster Keaton, either they kept it quiet or something like that, but you don't really. There's not much that you hear about that you hear about him ever doing himself a, like you know an injury as an injury yeah yeah i think i think all the um all the silent films were they they still hold up well today you know you can watch them i know um particularly youngsters sometimes you say oh there's this black and white film. Oh, we're not watching that if it's <laughs> not in color you know <laughs> <what> I <mean? laughs> but uh when, when they, they can actually enjoy them i think well yeah i mean i think any go, go into youtube and search for any sort of like you know buster keaton and you just have like you know a compilation of the things that he did and it's just it's pretty mental. It's pretty mental. And the other thing is like the whole idea of like the silent movies. I know obviously a couple of years ago we had the artist that yeah, came that on was... and wowed everybody because it showed what could be done in a silent movie. Yeah. That was and a fabulous movie. Yeah. Fabulous movie. It's a yeah. And I think what one of the things that Ruth says, um, 
it, she says when she she says like you know the acting was better so you could and i think that was that's part of the things that you get with someone like buster keaton the fact that they didn't have the crutch of sound to say oh i'm about to go over there so everything had to be done with the face yeah. everything had to be done with the body everything had to do to show you this is what's about to happen or this is what i'm doing and this is where i'm going and this is what my motivation is yeah. it all needed to be thought out didn't it i suppose otherwise people get confused yeah the, yeah the, the planning involved in it would be far more well you wouldn't be able to rely on things like sound yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot more intense yeah i just the, uh, the the thing i always wonder about it though is like you know how nowadays you have when you watch one of these films they have a soundtrack yeah I wonder whether that's like, you know, whether music was written particularly for the film that was then given to people in different cinemas that would play because you know they would have a piano. Piano, in, yeah, organ. Yeah, they have an organ in there playing along as the film is going on. I wonder whether that's whether what we have now is like a new written score or whether it's the original thing that was written back then. Oh, I see, yeah. I, w- I was trying to find out about that, but I couldn't find any information about it. So if anybody's listening and anybody actually has any information as to whether the scores we have now for all these films are the original scores, I would love to hear about it. That'd be yeah, so I good. suppose that would only be the really early films, wouldn't it? Because since they actually employed it composers and you got sound, you'd know who it was going to be. But for silent films, you mean? Yeah, for was, silent films. Was, like was there like a particular... Um, piece that was recommended to go with a scene is that is that what you yeah i mean like for instance like let's say the film the filmmakers made the film mm-hmm. and then they said all right cool now we want you to play and when you when you when you, when you got the film and you were going to show it in your cinema you got like sheet music as well that I, said this is what to play or whether it was just kind of like they just made it up and played some ragtime or I, something I, I think it was very much improvised actually i think i, I mean think i wouldn't i wouldn't say that but piano, the, yeah. the, you know they, that's what they used to do and the, the organ would come up yeah and they'd watch the film and then they'd play to what, like if it was someone running, they'd play fast music, and they would just play to the film. I, I'm, I'm quite sure that's that's what how it used to be. That? It was like yeah, Bad. the um, apparently yeah, the the organ would come up. It was one of those massive organs with all the you know real old thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they with just all the pipes. yeah, and the organist would just watch the movie and <laughs> and and <laughs> boop, boop, and have like little whistles and toots and things for and. Oh, I think it would have been a real experience, actually. Oh man, that, that oh, I would love to see. Yeah, that. they need to bring that back as a, like a, some sort of lost art or something. They need yeah. to bring that back. Yeah, imagine, imagine that. Imagine you're watching Godzilla and there's a guy there, like you know, with. I'm fairly sure that they were given music to play. You think? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that certain certain standard music was sent out. All right. they'd, have to, they'd have to learn it. They were given notes about when, when to sort of do little to, flourishes and yeah. little, little moments to look out the whistles for. and the toots. I'm fairly sure it was standard. Okay. Oh, right. Well, uh, so, actually, yeah, I would love to, I'd love to find that so out. It would be nice to know more details on that. It, though, would, it? it would be great. Yeah. And it would be nice to see, that. wouldn't it, a guy in an organ coming up, sort of uh, coming up out of the floor. Yeah. I, I would love yeah. to see that. So, Buster Keaton, absolute genius. I think... I think stunt work owes him a massive debt. Massive, yeah. It, it was a massive debt. And I think because he was more stunt oriented than Chaplin, orientated than Chaplin was. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, Cha- definitely. Chaplin seemed to be a bit more st- slapstick. Slapstick, yeah. yeah. So, but there were some great sla- Keystone Cops. I was like <laughs> the Keystone Cops. Have you, did you ever see any Keystone Cops movies? Yeah. yeah. There's like loads of them, and they're just all they got, they're trungents, and they're all sort oh, of running like, a big well, mass of them. Around, yeah, running, running the around. They chase and they miss people, <laughs> and then they just change direction. And Bit, so oh, like, that's what the Keystone Cops are. Yeah, I've always heard it. I've always seen those films, but I've always wondered what on earth are the Keystone Cops that people keep talking about. I didn't realize that's what they were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you get like uh, com- in carnivals in England, you get yeah. like a, a version of them, don't that's you? Right. In a little car, police car with the whistles and the trumpets. <laughs> they would all sort of stop on one leg with one leg up in the air and then <laughs> change direction. Uh, they, they, they would always they were be pretty like, useless, really. There would always be like twenty people chasing one guy yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who could outfox them by running around a corner exactly. and just standing. <laughs> that's it yeah do the job <laughs> <laughs> okay cool so Buster Keaton oh thank you so much for everything you did for us at Zedeba we would not have a lot of stuff without you alright and um, now moving on Joe's second clue okay this screen legend is a three time Academy Award winner and a 12 time Academy Award nominee They are also notable for being one of two actors, the other being Michael Caine, who have received Oscar nods in every decade from the 60s through to the 2000s. Got it. You got it, have you? I've got it. Yeah, you guys are good. (laughs) 
I've got it. And now I... Oh, good lord. Those films would be different. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> those films would be different. They would... Oh, good lord. They would be a lot sarkier. Mm. <laughs> All those films would be a lot sarkier. Okay. So, we shall leave that and carry on. Unless, Sean, you want some more time to deliberate. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I've got no idea, but um, I'm still... People listen to you think. I'll wait, I might get it on the last clue this time instead of being thrown. <laughs> Shall I uh, read it again, or are we good? We're good. I okay, think we're good. Okay. I think we're good. Well, I'm good. Right. So, <laughs> 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 All right, cool. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, this is actually something, guys. People, we... A couple of weeks ago, you might remember a lady called Lynn, and um, she was talking about uh, a first film that she's seen in the cinema. And when we asked her, she she works in this Friends of St. Mary's shop, and she said when we asked her about the, uh, um, the first film she ever saw in the cinema, she said this. My name is Lynn, and I work for the Friends of St. Mary's in the shop. So, Lynn, could you just tell me um, if you can remember the story of the first time you ever went to the cinema? Oh... Oh, I think it was um, it was a really old film just after the war and it was Lilacs in the Spring and it, I thought it was going to be a really nice happy film but it was a war film and I hated it every minute so that was that I went to Brixton um, yeah with 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 my mother yeah and I, I was about seven it was frightening for me because I suppose being so close to the end of the war it was in sort of early 50s i thought it, it was awful because i can still sort of hear people being frightened about the bombing and everything so yeah whereas i thought it was going to be a lovely love story it wasn't okay cool so yeah we played that for you because lynn heard her she heard her bit on the show and she actually got back in touch with us oh wow excellent so she she emailed us and she sent me an email saying thank you so much for taking the trouble to send this to me i really enjoyed listening to the story about lilacs in the spring my memory of this was obviously way off course (laughs) oh to be young again lynn oh Oh, wow Wow. that's so nice yeah and i I went in and chatted to her about it and she was kind of like saying like uh, she was saying that she loved hearing up all the extra stuff that we came up with and like all the stuff about the film that she didn't really know and and this this is the bit that i'm actually really excited about we because we spoke about how hard it was to find the film we actually found a copy of the film and she has agreed to watch the film again and then come into the show and tell us what she thinks about it now. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's agreed to come back in and be like, okay, cool, I saw this first film I ever saw in the cinema. I'm going to watch it again because obviously, and see what it, see what, like, you know, 50, 60 years difference makes. <laughs> it's, what a wonderful thing. To, that would so be cool. really interesting, uh, wouldn't it? That would be great. Yeah. yeah. To yeah, have this memory fabulous. of a film such yeah. a, from such a long time yeah. ago and then to see it again and... That's a lovely idea. Well, yeah. yeah. So, so we are going to. So, I'm going to drop it off with her um, either this week or next week, and then we'll have her in here with us in a couple of weeks' time. So, Lynn, we are really, really looking forward to having you in here with us. That's Lynn in the Friends of Saint Mary's shop. Um, so, moving back to me traipsing about the Saint Helen's Ward, I also spoke to a lady called Adele. Uh, excuse me, who told me about her favorite movie of all time, and this is what she said. It's um, Yield to the Night. Diana Dawes. Well, I think it was something to do with um, Ruth Ellis, the last woman to be hung. But it was so sad, like, you know, it's one that stuck in my mind. Yield to the night. Um, must have been a picture house and a black and white film. It's so sad. She was nice. She used to be a nurse. She did. What a night! We've just been to a lean down down dear old Brixton Way. Oh, Mother Brown, the pearly queen's hundred years. And knees up, knees up, don't be the breeze up, knees up, Mother Brown. Yes, that was Elise and Dor- Doris Waters singing Knees Up Mother Brown. Um, and also, Please Leave My Butter Alone. A bit of an extra there. Um, it shows up in the movie Yield to the Night. I mean, it kind of, it almost goes in the opposite direction of it because the film is quite, uh, 
as well as Adele was saying, is a little bit. It's it's quite a sad film. Essentially about a lady who murders her. She murders her lover's bit on the side. It gets a bit complicated. She she murders her lover's lover, and ends up on death row. And the whole film is more or less shot in her, in in this small cell that she's waiting. Like it's just right beside the place where she's gonna get killed. And it's all about her being in there, starring Diana Doors in uh, Made in 1958. And Diana Doors, I mean, I'd heard about her, but I'd never actually seen one of her films before this, before um, Adele mentioned this, and I had to go, I had to go watch it. But she was, she was described as the Brit- as Britain's Marilyn Monroe. Britain's Marilyn Monroe, yeah, um, yeah. very uh, sassy, sassy blonde. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was in uh, round about that. I mean, the thing about this film, going back to this film, is. She didn't even have any makeup on in the film. Yeah, I think, no, it, and it's, she, it's it's kind of noticeable. Yeah, yeah it, of, and I mean, I mean, that takes great courage for someone who's supposed to be, you know, a big brassy blonde and all yeah. that, and to have no no makeup in this film, which which, and she, she acts really really well. Yeah. She's a really really good actor. She's not this blonde bimboy sort of character. She yeah, because she was actually classically trained. She, surely, yeah. She was classically trained in, in like Lambda, which is one of the mm. one of the big one of the big um, drama schools. Yeah. So she she was trained there. She lied about her age to get in yeah. because she was she was too young. She told them she was older. So she, so she's still to today the youngest member that they've ever had there, and she she did quite well. <laughs> wow. But the thing is, when she she got married to a guy, and he started marketing her as that sort of like Britain's Marilyn Monroe, mm. but. I think even as as you go and you see more in her in her later life, there was more to her than the blonde bombshell. Even yeah. though that's what they always try to sell her as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the fact that like um, the movie in America, it was called Yield to the Night in Britain, which is kind of it. It talks about a bit where she gets. Um, I think she's reading a bit in the book, and it talks about. I think the quote in the book is, uh, "For the night is already at hand, and it's right to yield to the night." Someone talking to her about mm, look, different title though, didn't it? Didn't it have another name? It had a, in America it was called Blonde Sinner. That's right, yeah. Blonde Sinner. <laughs> it was called Blonde Sinner, which tells you how they were truly trying to market her. Yeah. She had a couple of chances to actually go to America and a couple of offers that got scuppered by her then husband, who was kind of using her for her for his own fraudulent benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is a bit sad, but because as you said, she and even the tagline it was like, Here she is, that eye filling gas provoking blonde bombshell. <laughs> yeah. But she was so much more than that. I mean, her performance in this film is really, really impressive. It's really, really, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think she was. Um, I mean, obviously, in those days, we think always think about American underworld, but I think there was quite an, an underworld around in the the British film industry as well. Yeah, so, yeah. and I think her husband probably was, you know, mixed up in a in a few with the. I think she knew the craze and things, and uh, it was yeah, like I a, wouldn't be surprised. You know, would so, not be surprised at all. So, uh, but uh, I mean, I think all films from this era, um, um, obviously made in black and white, and a lot of British films around about that time, 50s, uh, early 60s, black and white movies, it just really, really gives it that atmosphere as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially when you're in a prison in a, in a harsh atmosphere, you know, it just gives it that atmosphere, I think. So some great black and white films, um, yeah. great British black and white films. Well, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great British director, isn't it, that many people... Yeah. You know, forget that doesn't really get a lot of uh, credit. I mean, how many people have heard of J. Lee Thompson? J. Lee Thompson, yeah. It's not a name that people associate really. Matt, you know, it doesn't spring to mind when you think of British filmmaking, but when you think what the guy's directed, I mean, he's done Ice Cold and Alex, done Ice- the, the Guns of Navarone. Oh, wow. The guy directed Cape Fear. What, the original? The original Cape Fear. With Robert Mitchum? That's the one. Sir? Yep. Wow. He, wow. Did, he did two of the Planet of the Apes films, Battle and uh, Conquest. He uh, did Murphy's Law in the 80s. Did, uh, Ice, Ice Cold and Alex. Now, there's a great film. I think everybody yeah. watches Ice Cold and Alex. Um, and I've, 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 only, I've only ever heard about the pint of beer at the end of the film. film I've never yeah. actually seen the film. It's, it's, it's well worth watching. It's one of those films that you could watch on a Saturday afternoon when you've got a bit of downtime and you yeah. want to be a bit lazy. Yeah. But I, I must have seen that so many times. When yeah. it's on, it's like it's a bit like Zulu. You just have to mm. have to watch it. You know, It's mm. one of those films you sit and watch. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Go on. Yeah. Okay. Well, no. I just thought you guys had something that you. Were well, I was just. I was, I'm just uh, constantly surprised that the guy doesn't get the credit that he ought to, having directed those sorts of films. Mm. Um, I, and he also is quite good at adapting to different genres as well. I mean, there's, I'm, a, as you know, a bit of a horror fan. And there's a there's a really uh, cheesy slasher of the '80s called Happy Birthday to Me, 1981. I mean, it was obviously cash in on on holiday uh, horror films like Halloween and stuff. And, and oh, it, yeah. it, uh, it was directed by this guy. Cool. Back, back, back to Yield in the Night. There's, um, there's a great British actress in that called Yvonne Mitchell. Oh yeah. Um, and and she turns up in quite a few films. 
Um, I think she, she plays the matron in the film, yeah. the one that's with her all the time. And um, again, some some uh, she was in some great movies, and I'm, I'm going to mention she, this. She's, she's really good in this film, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm going to mention this because this is a great film, and I'm sure some of our listeners would have seen this. Um, a film called Conspiracy of Hearts, and and to cut it quickly, um, it's some nuns in Italy, and they're trying to rescue some some children from the Germans, and. Uh, in this film, Yvonne Mitchell plays a really stuck. Oh, we can't, you know, she's she's quite a horrible character in this. Is that with Sylvia Sims? That's with Sylvia yeah, Sims. That's that's yeah. And uh, in the end, she turns up trying to save one of these children. She sort of hides the children under a under a habit, mm-hmm. and then the Germans find her. But so, and I just made me think, oh, you're not so bad after all. <laughs> but um, I, she always played. I read a little about her, and she liked to play. She was quite a strong character. I think she'd been in a fair old few movies. Yeah, Yvonne Mitchell. So, Conspiracy of Hearts. Look out for that if you yeah. get a chance. Okay, cool. We're running out of time. And just oh, one sorry. final thing I'd like to say about the um, Nandros. I think that she actually had quite a bit of a wit about her. And her, her her real name, her birth name was Diana Mary Fluck. So, that's Fluck. Fluck. <laughs> and they asked her to change her name when she was a Lambda. I can't think why. I know. I don't know why. Yeah, but <laughs> but she, said, she said, they asked me to change my name. I suppose they were afraid that if my real name, Diana Fluck, was in lights, one of the lights would blow out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think it's I think I've, I've become a Diana Doors fan and I'm going to yeah. start hunting out some of the stuff that she yeah. did because I think, um, because you unlike, have- unlike Marilyn Monroe, she lived to, she lived, like, um, she had quite a long career. She did, yeah. I yeah. think she was in um, An Adam and the Ants 1980s video, Prince yeah. Charming. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I want to go find out a couple, couple of things about her. A little bit yeah. slow on the comedy here, but if one of the lights did go out, it would certainly be a stroke of luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. Okay. okay, yeah. Anyway, now, third clue. We're going to have to zip through these to finish in time. Right, okay. Uh, the screen legend made their film debut in a B-movie titled The Crybaby Killer in 1958 and directed their first movie entitled Drive, he said, in 1971. Okay, okay, cool. Right, we will move on quickly with that. And, well, because I know who it is. So it's... (laughs) So he thinks. Yeah, so I think. (laughs) Anyway, but um, it's... uh, Right, every week we have an exception to the rule. We pick a film that's made after 1980s that we think, oh, this is actually a good film and it will stand up in any time period whatsoever. Sean usually picks that, and Sean, what do we have this week? Okay, we have the um, the latest King Kong version yeah. and uh, the, the new King Kong film made by Peter Jackson, who made Lord of the Rings. Um, and uh, to me, this stands up really, really well. I think it's a, a great action movie, fantastic um fight scenes with what I thought were Tyrannosaurus Rexes, but uh, I don't think they're quite Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, you, you had a geek sitting next to you at the time when you said that. They're actually dinosaurs that they in- invented for the movie. They're called Vastatosauruses. Vastatosauruses. Yes, how sad is that? Thank you for that. Yeah, but I think this film, and, and for me, it gives it the real um, 1920s feel, and mm-hmm. I think, you, you know, as the film was made, it sort of goes back to the original. Yeah. Um, and... Um, I, I, I just think pe- most people that have seen it have said they've enjoyed it that I've spoken to at the time. Some people have said maybe it's a little bit too long, but mm. I think it holds up really, really well. Yeah, because it's uh, because Peter Jackson he was a he was a fan of the original thing. Sure. I think that was the original King Kong was like one of the reasons he got into filmmaking in yeah. the first place. He tried to make it before Lord of the Rings, and and, and they wouldn't let him. Through. That's yeah. right. And the but once he made Lord of the Rings and that made so much money, they were like, "What do you want to do? Anything? Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for making us all this money." And he just and I think straight away he went King Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing about it is that people talk. About, you talked about the length, so it's about three hours long. Yeah. The original is about an hour and a half, but. It's almost a sh- like everything that's in the original is in this one. Like they have almost every shot. Every shot, yeah, is in this one. Yeah, and it's just a, I think they just took a bit more time in telling the story and drawing things out and uh, and lavishing love and attention that, on the thing. Yeah, a few monsters, <laughs> a few extra monsters, a few extra monsters. Those big worm things that come out. And oh, <laughs> they were they were oh, pretty nasty things, oh, weren't those they? Were nasty. Quite vile. <laughs> oh, <laughs> those big big cockroaches yeah. and things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and I think I think they probably spend a bit more time with the natives of Skull, Skull Island as well. Yeah, yeah. But actually, they were effective. Actually, yeah, they, they were they, seriously effective. They were. They were uh, quite it's, scary. It's like the design, the design work on the new King Kong was just amazing. It was. It was, yeah. just, it was just totally amazing. 
and we'll obviously have Andy and obviously talking about a man in a suit like Godzilla and everything like that. You had you had Andy Circus, yeah, known, Andy. known mostly as Gollum, playing playing King Kong this time. Yeah, he actually worked on the Godzilla movie, the, the new Godzilla movie. Did he? He didn't do the full mocap, but they they used his uh, facial expressions for the facial expressions of uh, Godzilla. Really? I only found that out today. It's fun, isn't it? You know, because I was watching the film, I was watching the new Godzilla movie, and I was thinking, oh, I'm so happy that Andy Serkis isn't showing up. No, yeah. no, that can no, that's not him moving around as Godzilla. No, no. I, I was happy that finally there was something that he wasn't involved with, and thanks for ruining that. I've Joe. just destroyed it for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's you know spent a lot of time doing the whole the whole blue suit with the ping pong ball stuck on him, but I, I think he, he he was used for for facial expressions and things. All right. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> so we can recommend that the the King Kong movie. Oh, what year was that made? The original? No, no, oh, no. Oh, King Kong was 30... Uh, the original King Kong. The original King Kong was... No, no, the new no, King no, Kong. No, the new one. Oh, 2005. The new oh, one was 2005. Oh, 2005. Yeah, 2005. So we can recommend that as a film that you could go pick up because it pays homage to a brilliant classic and becomes a good film in its own right. Yeah. All right. Um, original was 33. Sorry. 33. Yeah. The original was 33. Ooh, before Godzilla. Mm. Yeah. Ah, but then King Kong was a monkey Godzilla was a whole new creature <laughs> that's how I justify it it's like King Kong looks nicer yeah. Godzilla actually looks like it could bite your head off yeah. and I, I think there was King a 76 was sorry um, I think there was a 76 version of King Kong which was absolutely awful it was wasn't it Fay yeah. Ray no um, who was it Jessica, Jessica Lange. Lange that's right Jessica Lange Jessica Lange Jeff Bridges yeah that, Bridges. Was, that was just hideous they replaced the biplanes with helicopters bad <laughs> yeah. idea all round yeah, all round yeah. <laughs> take the iconography out of it when you're remaking it yeah that's a good idea yeah <laughs> okay cool Joe final clue okay uh, this is probably if anything's going to give it to you this one I'll give it to you this legend currently uh, lives on the infamous Mulholland Drive, known as Bad Boy Drive, and has starred in films directed by John Huston, Stanley Kubrick, Martin Scorsese, Roman Polanski, Tim Burton, George Miller, even Ken Russell. Okay. If All I right. didn't give it to you, nothing wrong. Okay, I'm going to... No, I'm, I'm stuck. Okay, cool. So it's up to you. It's your call. My call... My call is Jack the Lad, Jack Nicholson. Oh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Interesting. What do you reckon, Sean? Oh, well, well, I don't really know. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on this one, so yeah, I, I, I guess so. Could you, see, could you see it being Jack Nicholson? I, I was just thinking, has he won three Academy Awards? He has won I guess three, he has, yeah. He has won three Academy Awards. Of course, I, think he's been nominated I was thinking first idea, but of course he's not still alive with Spencer Tracy because he's the only other one to have won three Academy Awards. So yeah, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah well, the answer is... Actually, Jack Nicholson. Yes, yes. well done, Tony. Yes, thank you very much. Great thank job. Thank you very much. And I have lost my fanfare. Where did my fanfare go? <laughs> Your fanfare's gone off. Your fanfare's gone off. You was expecting oh. not to. Uh... Yeah, it didn't oh, turn yeah, up well, today. Yeah. <laughs> After the last couple of weeks, I thought I'd forget about that. No, no, forget it. It's not going to happen. I can't be booed again. And look what happened. Look what happened. Hey. <laughs> yes, Jack Nicholson. I think I think it was a, the second clue. Once you said the second clue, I was like, oh yeah, I got it. What was the second clue again? Was it the? Um, oh, it was uh, three-time Academy Award winner, twelve-time oh, yeah. nominee, oh, yeah. notable for being only one of two actors, the other being Michael Caine, that received an Oscar nod in every decade from the sixties through to the two thousand. It was a three-time winner thing. Yeah, it was a three-time winner thing that I just went, yeah, definitely. And then when he stayed. When you started mentioning all the things that he showed down and the impression you did, well done. Uh, I, tried, <laughs> I, did, I didn't even notice. I that. tried to do it subtly without going overboard. Without going, here's Johnny! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here's a golf club. Here's Johnny! <laughs> all right, cool. We have a little bit of time because we kind of zoomed through some things there. But, um, right, we can go on to... Okay, all right, enough enough of that Chris, Chris Tarrant stuff. All right. <laughs> so we have a little bit of time about what's on at the cinema at the moment. So speaking to the patients in the hospital, you get out next week. You you get released from hospital. I keep try. I keep have to remind myself not to say prison. <laughs> you get released from hospital. You want to go watch a film. What do we recommend? As if there could be any other film that we would recommend right now. Uh, it wouldn't be Pompeii. It wouldn't. See now, now, oh, now, now, both of these guys—they don't like Pompeii. Now, now, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> um, but then I guess I'm, I'm slightly. Um, I, no, I've already done my rant about Pompeii on another radio show. I, yeah, I, I, no, I don't want to go there. You didn't again. like it either, then, Joe. We don't have the time. But then I wasn't too struck on Spider-Man. So true. You know, true I mean, true. I was. I, I did say to Joe, and some people like that, but I found Spider-Man 
just I don't know. The Spider-Man's set. a sticky topic, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the sets were, were awful in Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> they just like all fell to bits. I thought, oh, there's a set. It's a set. It's wobbling. Yeah. No, I, I just I found Pompeii quite uh, very very little of any quality in it at all. It it's was, a stupid film. It yeah, really... it's just a fun movie. Oh, yeah, it's it stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> can my review just be the noise? Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think it can be. I can think that it, do? It, it can be all like meh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, um, I would say obviously Godzilla. Godzilla, yeah. yeah. We 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 we're, we're unanimous on Godzilla. We're unanimous so. and go go see Godzilla. Yeah. Go see Godzilla and um and I think um Transcendence. Oh yeah, yeah, Transcendence. Um, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't um wasn't like it amazing was, knock you down, but it was it was a really really lovely idea. It and was no Pompeii. I'll tell you that. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I quite liked I quite liked the ending in it actually in um, Transcendence. Yeah. I, I really liked the ending because he said, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna, you know." Well, I won't spoil it. Yeah, I'm a spoiler. Well, so. that is. I, I think Transcendence. I think it's. I I really. I think that the first two thirds of the film are really really good. Mm-hmm. I think the I think the third act lets it down a bit. I mm. think it it does. It doesn't. It's almost. It's like when they say it doesn't have the, doesn't have the courage of its own convictions. It kind of it kind of goes for an easy out. I think, but I but. Two hours in, because I know—I mean, not two hours in—for two thirds into it, I know a lot of people sort of like you know um, had been slating it, and I was thinking, I don't see why they're slating it. This is mm. a good film. Mm. Actually, like I like it. <laughs> That's it, and we got X Men coming soon next X-Men week. X Men coming Ooh. out later in the week. In the week, yeah. Oh, X Men, X Men. I thought of a better review for Pompeii. Don't see Pompeii. It's a bit of a lava. It's good. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, people. That's over from us today. Till the next time. Get well soon. Get well home. Watch the new Godzilla movie. And rem- and as always, remember that they just do not make them like they used to. See ya. <laughs>